Thank you to our friends from the circus for that wonderful music. Welcome to Airtime, a basketball podcast from the minds of two currently very stunned basketball fans. My name is Vikram. Hey guys, this is Nishrit. If you guys are new or old, catch us wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, etc, etc, etc. Nishrit, Nishrit, why am I stunned right now, dude? I think we're all stunned. I mean, I don't even know why we sat down and tried to predict what would happen in these playoffs. The Nuggets coming back up uh, from 3-1 down. The Heat just apparently losing just one game in the entire playoffs. We both lost the teams we thought would win it. You lost the Clippers, I lost the Bucks. It's just overall, I think, nothing really we predicted has come right. Which is why I want to start on common ground. I want to start with the one pick we both actually did get right. And that's the Lakers. Well, just to... Just to preface that i mean my final picks were the clippers versus the bucks yours was lakers versus the bucks so you still have some short of like completely decimating me in this bracket but yeah we all had them for um at least the western conference finals and they're there albeit they're playing the nuggets which i don't understand but let's let's you right let's talk about the lakers they had a series against small ball rockets they had the rockets number all along so i have a question for you is this the end of small ball so I don't think it's the end of small ball. I think it may be the end of the extreme small ball that the Rockets have been playing. Uh, where, you know, when they won the first game, we thought, oh, wait, you know, maybe small ball does beat the Lakers. But then you saw the Lakers come back with a bit of a different lineup and basically destroy them every other game. But even then, I think small ball is here to stay. If you look at what's happening with the Celtics and Heat as well, it's, right. it's completely small ball, right? I mean, they've got mostly perimeter players. They've got guys like Jason Tatum, who's probably playing the power forward position uh, most right. of the time. And he's, you know, he's technically a perimeter player. And, uh, I mean, they've got, they've got small, I mean, they've got, uh, uh, Thies who plays in center sometimes, but normally they're using Williams. And I think it's more the ethos of a team. And I think that small ball ethos is here to stay, where your big men are guys like Jokic or Bam Adebayo, who are great at passing. Uh, when it comes to Jokic, also great at shooting. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think uh, the, the the larger players, as we keep going on, are getting so skilled that it's hard to think of them as just pure centers or big men because they can dribble, they can shoot, they can pass really well. So I think the ethos of small ball is here to stay. Uh, but I think the extreme way that the Rockets decided to go about it, that maybe wasn't the best thought out plan. I agree with you, dude. I mean, if you think about it, like small ball or w- whatever you want to call it, I'm just going to generally call it small ball and I'm going to call what Rockets did Rockets' version of small ball, for example. So small ball in general has been here for a while. So if you think about the uh, the the uh, Warriors team, even before KD got there, they had Draymond playing as five a lot of the times, right? So that was basically this advent of how you can space the floor and use someone who's versatile enough at your five so they can guard the big man if they need to, but they can also space the floor if they need to. So you're completely right. Celtics are doing that. All the teams are doing that. Raptors are doing that to an extent. I mean, they have Serge Ibaka and uh, Mark Gasol play some minutes, but they have some some minutes where it's Ananobi and Pascal Siakam and all those guys in. And we see that with the Heat as well. I mean, um, it's happening. Small ball is here to say you're completely right. But this Rockets version of small ball, I mean... Just just the fact that D'Antoni's left, it probably means something. I'm pretty curious to see what's going to happen with Westbrook and, and, and Hart, James Harden. Are they going to stay with this team? Because this, they're going to cost a lot to that team. And Darren Morey is going to be mindful of that about the luxury tax as well. So I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with this Rockets team. But it, 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 looked, it looked interesting on paper. It had a very uh, novel feeling to it when you thought about what they were trying to do. And I love that they went all in with it. You don't, you don't see... Most teams have this much courage where they just go all in, sell your big man and, and get someone like Robert Covington in. 
they did it i mean you can't you can't throw shade at them for that but i don't think it worked and the fact that they're out again of the postseason already i mean i don't i don't see this version of rocket small ball coming back yeah, I, agree. I think that there's a middle ground, right? If you, even if you look at maybe the Rockets did it as sort of a statement move, I'm not sure, or to get rid of some of salary cap that uh, Clint Capella had. But even if you look at teams again, going back to the Celtics, they've got some good big men, right, on the bench. Uh, they've got, I mean, they're using Thiers probably the most. Uh, they've also got um, Enes Kanter, who's basically been on the bench the entire time. They haven't used him at all, and that's like they would probably love to have had somebody else instead of him and as, as a smaller player. So I think maybe teams will start adjusting to just having one real big man that they can use when required, and start using mostly these perimeter type players. Yeah, I think so, man. And if you think about if you think about the other teams, right, that that kind of didn't do so well in this playoff bubble. So we have the Bucks. I mean, we can we'll talk about them later in detail as well. But talking about their big men. We have Giannis, who's the epitome of a small ball big guy. He can do everything. But then you have Brook Lopez as well, who's only, I think, this season started to shoot a three. But then he's so clunky that he doesn't really do much. Like, even if he's trying to spread the floor, you can get to him pretty quickly. You know he's not a driving threat as well. So there's a lot of adjustments that team will need to make. And uh, yeah, I, I saw this recent uh, video where I forget who, but someone, I think it was D'Angelo Russell, who said that, the guy I would want to build my team around for the next 10 years is Bam Adebayo because he's the perfect five man. He's what Draymond Green was in 2015, right? He can jump, he can defend, he can he can play inside, he can play outside. He's so versatile. And he, he just needs the, his three-point shot though to get better. I think same yeah, thing that we have with Giannis. But, but then that's the that's the last thing you need from him to to be like the ultimate guy, right? Even without that, he's still causing so much destruction because there are four other guys on the roster who are good enough for the three. So... If he if he develops a three point shot, I mean, he's uh, he's a shoe in for all star. I think each and every season. So it's pretty interesting what we see happening with the NBA right now. And uh, why don't we just like just just rip the band aid off and and talk about the things that that are hurting us the most right now? Let's which one? Nish, Nish, the pick, Clippers or Bucks first? Well, I'm gonna go with my pick, which went completely wrong, which is the Bucks, uh, who I picked to win it all. Who I think a lot of people picked to win it all. I don't think they look right from the minute they got into the bubble. They they, they weren't playing to the caliber we'd seen them play uh, before sort of the, the, the stoppage of play happened. And that sort of continued. We all kept hoping that they'd get better over time. You know, playoff time, playoff Giannis would play well. He got injured in that last game. But I think at that time, their fate was pretty much sealed. Even when we were talking about the brackets earlier, I'd always said that the Heat was the one team I was most scared about. I thought that was their biggest challenge. And, well, that proved correct, considering they could only win one game without them. And that, too, without Giannis on the floor for most of it. But I think this yeah. poses, overall, a lot of questions for the Bucks, right? Where do they go with it? Because this team, the way it's built up, it's not one level away, right? Unless we're saying that, hey, Giannis has become the much better three-point shooter. So, with that aside, there's not one move or one piece that they can move to sort of fix all of it. Because of the overall structure of the team. For example, the thing that hurts them a lot is that their point guard, Eric Bledsoe, is not the best offensively, but great defensively. Or even Wes Matthews, not very good offensively, but but very good defensively, right? But it's very important because the way they play defense is where everything sags in the center and they and they sort of stop the players in the middle. And they need those defensive corner zones on the wings and in the perimeter to even guard uh, ahead there. So if you even get somebody like a Chris Paul, helps them a lot out offensively, I don't know if he can fit into the same defensive sets. 
Uh, not that the Bucks defense was great because they clearly cannot stop the three-point shot. So a lot of hard decisions that need to be taken and I don't see a clear answer as to how they fix this. And then the bigger thing is whether they even think that they need to fix it. For all you know, they just, you know, skew it up to bubble ball and say we'll figure it out next year. It's not so much of a problem yet. Well, Janice unfollowed the entire team on Instagram, if that means anything. So I don't, I, I think uh, I think they want a solution now. He apparently had a long chat with the owners and there's a lot of talk about commitment and, and what they intend to do and stuff like that. And Giannis actually has said, I think even after the loss as well, that he appreciates that the team is willing to not push him and and make him play minutes where he's not supposed to be playing if he's injured or needs rest or something like that and prioritizing his health and safety above winning, which I don't know how I feel about that intrinsically, but that that was those were his words. So he seems like he's happy-ish at, at Milwaukee. Uh Provided that they strengthen and 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 make the right moves, or at least the moves that Giannis thinks is, are the right moves, so it's it's going to be pretty interesting off season as well with the Bucks. But uh, I just I just wanted to talk about the Clippers, man. This this one's been <laughs> this one's been heavy on me for for a few days now, and it's something that I guess has left the entire NBA fraternity scratching their heads because what the Nuggets did. It's, what the Nuggets have been doing all bubble has been uh, has been outstanding, has been surprising, has been I don't know I've I've run out of adjectives, man. But those two series that they had, the back to back series against the Jazz as well as the Clippers, three one down both series, the only team to come back from a three one deficit, back to back in the playoffs. It seems like if if Jamal Murray is tucked away, then Nikola Jokic is going to do everything else. If Jokic is 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 stopped, then Murray is going. It's it's like you have no answers. I mean, for someone like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and the depth, we've spoken about the depth of the Clippers team. I mean, I feel like once every episode at some point or the other, just because of its sheer quality. And for them to come up and the way they, they just kind of conceded game seven, I mean, that hurt, dude. That really, really hurt, man. It was, yeah, and the, it was surprising that, like you said, against, like when we saw them do it against the Jazz, we said, you know, the Jazz we never thought was that great a team anyway, uh, compared to the others we've seen in the West. So, yeah, it's possible. But you're right, when you put them against people with that killer instinct, like a Kawhi who's just won a championship, who's known for being playoff Kawhi, like a Paul George, can, you know, who we know who's a superstar, and such a deep team, to be able to do it to them where... They just had to win one game and they couldn't even do that. Think of it that way. Think of it as a, as, as a three game series where they just had to win one game and they couldn't even do that. And that's just to be able to stop another team that way. And in each, at least each one of those games until I think even the seventh game, they were down, maybe not as much, but to come back from deficits of 14, 15, 19 points and then basically make it up in the second half. This makes me think of two things. First of all, is the first half even relevant in the NBA with teams like the <laughs> Nuggets and the Heat? Like, why do we even watch it? Let's just tune in. Let's give them a 10-point deficit and watch it from the second half. And secondly, is the, you know, because even the Heat have had these comebacks. Like, I know on the first game against the Celtics, uh, the Celtics were up by 12 in the fourth beginning of the fourth quarter. And it shows really early here in India. So, I, like, passed out. And when I woke up, it was overtime. And I was like, what the hell just happened? So, yeah. it, you know, the, we were talking about small ball. We are talking about the increase in three-point shooting. Is that why we're seeing so many large comebacks? Because if you think about it, you know, historically, a 15, 16-point deficit was a lot. You know, from a two-point perspective, you'd have to do eight or nine buckets in a row without the other person scoring. But when you go into three-point shooting, even 15 points is just five buckets. So, is that contributing to it? Is I, I, I'm actually at a loss. I'm just trying to find reasons. No, I, I totally hear you. And, and, you know, when you watch basketball right now, 
if if it's a 20 point deficit even if it's like the first quarter or the second quarter you're not as worried as a as a fan for example because you know that you know maybe someone's misfiring and then the second half they come out all but these guys are doing it all in the fourth late in the third all in the fourth so it's absurd that firstly the clippers being the organization that they are doc rivers i mean this is a really really bad um stat for his career because he's he's personally as a coach uh been on the other side of this twice now with the clippers so for him not to take or for that entire staff for Kawhi and all these guys the entire the, the experience that they have in that in that unit for them not to look at the jazz series and and take cues from there from them not to look at games the 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 first two games or the first three games they lost and not take use from there. I mean, what is the solution with this 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 Nuggets team? It's that you have to go flat all out for all four quarters. Even if you can't you can't let go of the pedal, you can't ease up if you're twenty points up and it's at some point in the third quarter. Because these guys have done it what six or seven times now within the past month. How can you ignore that? Firstly, secondly, is the only way to play the Nuggets to is to not get a lead with them just just stay just stay close <laughs> just, to them just lull them with a the close game and they yeah. don't know what to do when it comes to the yeah. fourth quarter okay, just keep missing buckets if you like two points off just keep missing buckets until they go two up and then make a bucket like is that the only way to play them cuz even 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 like the coach and like Mike Malone and all these guys they've said so many times so many different people at so many different points in the bubble have said that we are not scared of a deficit we actually love that challenge. We as a team have come together in such a way that we look forward to it. And I think the, this this past post uh, mauling the Clippers in Game 7, I think he was asked, the coach was asked, uh, you know, what are your thoughts when you're that down? And it's like eight minutes or nine minutes into the third quarter. What's going through your head? And uh, it, without hesitation, his reply is like, yeah, we're ready. Let's go. No coach would do that. No team would do that. They would all be like, yeah, we need to do this. We need to improve that. And these guys are like, oh, let's go game time, guys. Yeah. It's it's so absurd. I mean, I'm very curious to see what the Lakers can do to them. Again, obviously, because logic prevails in most situations, I, w- I, w- I would want to think that the Lakers will take care of them pretty easily. But that's what I thought with the Clippers as well. Even though it was game seven. I went to sleep that night uh, uh, with my alarm and I was like, yeah, this is going to be a Clippers win. And it didn't turn out to be that. So I'm not as confident with the Lakers taking on the Nuggets anymore because this this team has some X factor, which I haven't figured out. And it seems like most of the NBA hasn't either. Yeah, I mean, like we, we kept talking about how game time comes in and we were surprised about how well that happens. But clearly the Nuggets have... Well, they've got Jamal Murray, they've got Nikola Joker, and just like their entire team has got that ethos where it doesn't matter. And when it comes to the end of the game, they just get into a different gear. And I think the Miami Heat so far have been playing the same way. And a lot of that win has come from just them just going super hot from shooting uh, when when it counts. And I don't know how you how you how you do that. How it just happens when you need it to happen. So I'm going to make a bit of a prediction when it comes to the Lakers and the Nuggets. I'm going to say that the most important player for the Lakers, uh, apart from superstar, is actually going to be Alex Caruso. And I'm going to tell you why. Because okay. I'm thinking that when it comes down to Jamal Murray going on his hot streaks, that's probably, based on the way he's been playing and what he was able to do with the Rockets, probably who they're going to have sort of running around behind him and trying to stop him. And I think it's going to be a big part of the Lakers being able to stop Murray. Because Jokic, hard to play, but I think, you know, if they... They've, the Lakers have got the big men to at least give him a tough time. Uh, yeah. I think he'll still find a way to score his points, but it'll be hard for him to dominate. Jamal Murray is really going to be the X factor. And I think the only person who is sort of 
maybe not as skillful because I think Danny Green's a great defender as well. Rajon Rondo's been playing well. But the person who's right now as confident and who's probably going to be put on that task is going to be Alex Caruso. So I think it's going to be, uh, you know, the, the Lakers play is going to depend a lot on someone like him, who maybe is not somebody we think about when we think about, you know, who the important player of the Lakers team is. No, for sure. I, and I think that that opinion is going to change regardless of whatever happens um, going forward now. That opinion for Caruso has, I think, already changed. So come next season, he's going to be looked at as a much more valuable person in that team. Um, to your point, I agree. I think, though, that uh, the Lakers will also have uh, Danny Green share some defensive minutes on Murray just because of his quality as a defender. And I'm sure they can sacrifice um, whoever whoever the point guard is then going to end up guarding. So I, I think that's true. Which actually uh, brings another question to my mind. Is, according to you, is Jamal Murray the bubble MVP? And before you say anything, I would like to highlight who the other contenders are, okay? And this is purely based on people who are still in the bubble, which is, I don't want someone from the Jazz or I don't want someone from the Clippers. That hurts. Um, <laughs> I'm going to talk about people in the bubble, okay? So according to me, the other contenders are probably Braun, maybe AD, um, Jason Tatum maybe, and there's not one person I can pick from the Heat, so I'm just going to say the entire Miami Heat team. Which makes me think that, according to me, Jamal Murray is probably the bubble MVP. I mean, for me, it's I think it's still time to go. I, but I think, yeah, with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, it's, it's tough. I think last series was, uh, was tough to decide who played better. If you yeah. look at the series before, Jamal Murray, by far, was the one who sort of who, who led them there. So, yeah, I mean, taking all of that into account, I would probably peg Jamal Murray as well. Yeah, and we know that we know that these things are more vanity than anything else. So it's not like I know for a fact that if I take Nikola Jokic out of that team, it's going to hurt that team more than if I take Jamal Murray out. I know that for a fact because I watch the games and I see how the games develop. But net net, Murray's gotten the better stats. He's gotten more points. Maybe he's the he's the final piece in an in an offensive rotation, so he gets that shot. But to me, it's Nikola Jokic as a player. But you know, like, numbers matter and stuff like that. So if they do end up having something along the lines of who the bubble MVP is, including the eight-game restarts, including Series 1 onwards, I think Murray is, like, Murray's ahead by quite a distance. Yeah, he's up there. But, and also interesting. So you said in terms of metrics, even when you look at VORP, uh, which is a great metric that I like from uh, which they've come up with, uh, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray are three and four. So they're actually pretty close in their specific position on their team as well. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Miami Heat, like I said, there's no one standout player. I think they work tremendously as a unit. Like some some games, Tyler Hero picks up the slack. Some, some games, it's Butler. Some games, it's Goran Dragic. Ferguson's always around for threes. Bam Adebayo is doing what needs to be done. Fantastic unit. Apart from that, it's just the Lakers. Maybe Jason Tatum from, from the Celtics slides in. But I think it's, then it's just between Braun and AD and then these guys from the Nuggets. Yeah, and then, you know, talking about, so we discussed sort of how the Nuggets have been the comeback kings, but from a game perspective, in terms of within a game, I mean, they haven't pulled off, you know, returns from 3-1 uh, series deficits, but even coming back in games, the Heat have been up there as well. Again, same thing applies. First half doesn't matter. They just somehow keep coming back in the second half. They did the same thing with the Bucks. Anytime they did a push in the second, like, the Bucks were leading in the first half for most of their games, but they just could never sustain it in the second half and the Heat just came back with a different fire. 
and they've been using zone defense very effectively and for some reason they really start pushing it in the in the second half of games and again i think what's really fun to watch is how the entire team plays like you said there's no one superstar jimmy buckets maybe and he's taken over games at some points but most of the time he's averaging 14 15 points a game and it's a young core tyler hero duncan robinson kendrick nunn you know all these guys and then you throw in guys like the dragon uh, goran dragic in there who i think the last two games has been absolutely spectacular i think all bubble dragic has been really really good like very very re- dependable very reliable he you're getting what you need from him and to your point everything that you mentioned and and why these guys are working well i think we can't not give credit to spo uh, spolstra and even uh, all along the east you know with nick nurse brad stevens of the celtics which i'm a little disappointed about but i think these teams are very well coached teams and the way the way we the way we look at these teams and what they do and how they're assembled and how versatile they are i mean it depends so much on who their coach is and i think spo's doing a tremendous tremendous job there So okay before before we wrap up man now since our bracket has gone to shit completely i have a few questions for you so we have the western finals which is the lakers and the nuggets we have the ongoing eastern finals which are the celtics and the heat and then we have the nba championship so who's your call for western finals winner who's your call for eastern finals winner and who's your overall nba champion now because whoever we thought would be there is not there so we might as well just do this again bro i'm done predicting I'm not even going to take a shot at it. I, I don't I don't is, even is know. This, is this the end of Nishrat the Prophet? It is. I give up. This season has defeated me. I I don't even want to guess. I have no idea what's going to happen. All I'm going to say is if it ends up being the Nuggets versus the Heat in the finals, first of all it's going to be amazing and then I'm just going to, you know, give up ever trying to predict anything in sports ever again. And also when you have both these teams playing each other that just love coming back from a deficit, what are they going to do when they're like like close? Like I, I don't yeah. know what's going to happen. I I I I'm still going to I'm going to I'm going to attend this okay let's let's do let's do heat and celtics and this should be in a normal situation in a normal conversation this is a shoe in for the heats the team is two nil up they've played so well but just given the bubble given even celtics i really respect brad stevens i cannot with 100% conviction say that the heats going to win the series Yeah so see that was I mean I'm surprised that the that the Heat have gone up to zip because the Celtics have been well coached they were pretty do- they were the other second most dominant team I think in the east uh, next to the Heat and it was uh, surprising to me uh, how they lo- the first game final give them that but the second game again going down being in the lead losing that just because their defense is so good right they've got great perimeter defenders if you look at the way both teams are built up like i could see why the heat would be a bad matchup for the bucks right the the bucks just cannot defend the perimeter and the heat are great there but yeah. the celtics have been great in that regard and they still when the heat are pushing they just can't stop them i think the last game goran dragic and duncan robinson were just phenomenal at the at the end at the at that at that stretch and the celtics just made stupid plays in between so i think the celtics still have a chance of making it back just because they're well coached they are you know overall i think they are a more talented team uh, i think they've got great players specifically in the guard position a lot of them who can just go off so i wouldn't put it past the celtics to be able to come back from this two-o deficit and again there is no home court advantage so you know yeah the interesting point on that i read uh, i think uh, they had a meeting with all the coaches and this is i think uh, maybe when first round of the playoffs or something was happening and all the coaches seem to think that this lack of traveling between games has really contributed to um how well rested these players are which has then contributed to the level of play uh, that we're seeing in the bubble so that's that's something interesting that uh you know Adam Silver and the NBA are going to look at because 
if you're traveling, for example, uh, what's the series? We have Boston and Miami. If I'm traveling between Boston and Miami all every game or every other game, then obviously I'm kind of tired, right? No matter how many days you give it in between. But if it's the same venue and it's like a shootout competition, then you see that this level of competition, the level of basketball that we're seeing, which is evident right now, it's 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 so elevated. It's so much better. So that's pretty interesting. I will give it to the Heat still, just because the way they've played, you can't ignore their track record, especially in the bubble. And they're 2-0 up, which is an obvious advantage. So I'm going to pick the Heat there. Lakers and Nuggets. I am I am the most anti-LeBron superfan there is in this world. <laughs> I, I respect him. I know he's great. I know he can do whatever he sets his mind to. But I love hating him at the same time. So it's very tough for me to 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 obviously say something i'm still going to say lakers man i think i think what that team did with the rockets i mean it was a unique challenge and uh, uh the way they handled it not gave not giving howard or mcgee any minutes markeith morris coming in and 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 doing a phenomenal job they showed a lot of versatility they have uh you know rajan rondo kind of, kind of doing his own thing he's doing well we have danny green alex caruso i'm going to i'm going to give it to the lakers dude i i'm going to say lakers versus heat in the finals and just because I'm a anti-LeBron, super fan of LeBron, I'm going to say he takes it all. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yes. That's a that's a big prediction. But see, I don't have really, I don't really have to change my best because I had the Lakers going anyway. So I'm going to keep my bracket as it is and see what happens. <laughs> so so you so you're just going to think, but then you have to change your East because you had Bucks winning it all. Yeah, I mean that clearly I know is not happening, but. Um, <laughs> I just, okay, so I, just, I, just, I just don't want to predict. I'm just, I'm just okay with the points I end up getting. I give up. <laughs> Got it. So you're basically saying that the Lakers win the West, and then beyond that, whatever. Yeah, beyond that, whatever. I can't, I can't deal, I can't deal with the amount of shock I've already had. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but one point I wanted to sort of bring up, uh, you know, because we were talking about how bubble ball has been different. So, so two things. One is that. You know, we've seen the, the the upside of not having fans there, where there's no home court advantage, so a lot of teams are able to sort of display the way they have to. But taking the Clippers Nuggets series into uh, into perspective, if there were fans in the stadiums, do you think the Clippers would have been able to lose three in a row, considering two of those games would have been at home? I think the entire bubble would have looked different, dude. If you think about it, like uh, the earlier thing I mentioned about just traveling and having that stress on the players and stuff like that. That's when like depth and experience truly, truly count. Because if you have a Paul George who's who's not well rested, so he's not going to play as many minutes. Then you have Harold, you have Lou Williams come in. So that's where like stuff like depth really comes through. Here, I mean, they're all fit, they're all healthy, they're all rested. So the advantage that the obvious advantage that the Clippers had with depth didn't really shine through, and also it didn't help that Lou Williams and. Montrez Harrell everyone was just missing field goals by the way that's something that I want to discuss as well this game 7 performance from the Clippers we've we've spoken about the game 7 performance of the Lake of the Nuggets but looking at the Clippers I mean the way Kawhi and Paul George and the rest of the team they were just inefficient and not inefficient because they were guarded well but like missing open layups missing open you know mid-range shots and stuff like that it was very surprising but I don't want to dwell on it because it's really painful to me right now Um, (laughs) but just coming back to your question I think I think it would have looked different. I don't want to take anything away from the Nuggets by saying that the that that, that they would have lost, but maybe it wouldn't have been a a three one comeback. Maybe you know they could have even won it like with at like a at like a four one or a four nil. It, it would have been completely different. That I have to that I'm pretty sure of, and I think the NBA recognizes that as well. And maybe they're just going to do a few changes in terms of how 
the game is played especially come playoff time you know there was such great feedback on the on the tournament for the eight sheet shootout there was such great feedback of just this pick a location and play your playoffs there so i think there's a good possibility that come a year or two years later this this format of how games are played are going to be different yeah that's fair and then i think that goes into my second question which again just just had an end stage here i mean a lot of teams do you think a lot of teams are not going to end up making massive changes because they'll just say hey this was bubble ball maybe doesn't mean that much we'll get it again next year when it's a proper season so do you think if say if say it becomes a massive shock and say the nuggets or the heat win it will that championship be taken i know we've discussed this before but now given that teams that nobody expected to win it and they're winning the championship would this championship be taken at a lower light just saying that completely different sort of scenarios completely different environment and maybe this doesn't relate to what real world basketball as we as we see it on a year to year basis is um no i in terms of just having like an asterisk against this season if for example the heat win it i don't think so i think uh, uh the amount of work that was done to make this happen and the involvement that these bigger players had to make sure that the playoffs happen i don't think the asterisk is going to be there whoever's crowned champion is going to be recognized as a champion um to the other part of the question where maybe teams won't make a change i don't think so dude because at the end of the day it's all driven by money right so for example let's let's look at clippers now clippers have kawhi leonard and paul george strictly on a two year contract with the option of extending to a third where they can say no that they don't want to and that was purely as a way of letting the clippers know that listen we're here for two years you better you better create a team around us that works otherwise we're out so that's year one already gone so for example this is going to have i know for a fact that the clippers are going to be scrambling right now they're already scrambling to make sure that kawai and paul george have a better team for next year so that means their team is going to change you know i won't be surprised if i see doc rivers sort of stepping down or leaving just because of uh being being uh, the the team not being coached well so i still think the moves that were going to happen are still going to happen obviously if the lakers win then the lakers won't strengthen too much but the clippers will we have the brooklyn nets coming back next season with steve nash and that's going to really uh, that's going to be a really big factor especially in the east in terms of how teams sort of set up against that so i still think that moves are going to be made um owners and managers are still mindful of salary caps and luxury tax and all of that stuff and players are still mindful of you know we we came short like bucks for example they're going to make a lot of moves clippers i know are going to make a lot of moves heat might want to just strengthen and and continue the way they're doing so, so same thing with the raptors i mean they they know that they need to strengthen a little bit but they're going to do it in their own way rockets i mean that's going to be an implosion or that's going to be nothing i don't know so i still think that all the moves are going to happen the 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 league's going to progress the way it does and uh, yeah money matters money's king all right fair enough Yeah. So anyways, that wraps up this episode of the Airtime podcast. Again, if you guys did not predict the Clippers or the Bucks to take it all, then screw you or congratulations. Take it however you want. <laughs> Me and Nishad are out and you guys know who our predictions are for the rest of the playoffs. And next week we're going to talk about all of the other games that are going to be covered by then and a few interesting takes that Nishad and I have been chatting about on and off. So catch you guys then and have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye guys.